Welcome to Flock Talk, a podcast at GCF North. Flock Talk exists to inform, encourage, and inspire. This is your host, Dave Farley, lead pastor of GCF North. This is season one, episode 12, and I'm joined today by Bill and Judy Farley. And we're going to be talking about parenting young children. And they have five grown children, uh, one who is really godly. Yeah. <laughs> and good looking. I mean, and I'm not going to mention Dave's name. <laughs> and Super <humble>. modest. <laughs> he's modest. pretty much the <laughs> humblest guy I know. He's your humblest child, right? Yeah, he's humble because we beat all the pride out of him. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, 22, 21 grandkids. 22. 22 grandkids. Um, all your grown children are walking with God. Yes. By yes. God's grace. So thankful. Um, and uh, Dad, you have written a best-selling book on parenting. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about parenting young children. That is, kids under the age of seven-ish or eight-ish. And we have a lot of parents right now at GCF North, kind of in the thick of that season of life, frazzled, tired, um, not knowing what to do. So let's let's talk about about parenting young kids. So, um, when when you when you were in your late twenties, early thirties, parenting young kids, what what were the influences on your parenting? There was a book by Larry Christensen entitled "The Christian Family," which influenced us a lot. And I tell you what, most influenced me. I had a little study in a root cellar of our house down in the Gonzaga district. Uh, and I would go down there every morning and read the Bible before I went to work. And um, I can remember reading Proverbs and uh, Psalms and being overwhelmed by the fear of God, really, all that the Bible said about the fear of God, just remember uh, times when I saw so clearly that God was to be feared. We needed to teach our children to fear God, to love God too, obviously, but um, and that the importance of authority and discipline and love and uh, not taking a effeminate approach to parenting, which by that I mean we're afraid to cause pain to our children. God disciplines us. Hebrews tells us that God disciplines us, and it's painful for the moment, but it eventually bears the peaceful fruit of righteousness. God can really inflict pain. And so, you know, I, all those influences on me had a huge influence on our parenting. So, And, and I, I have to add here, <clears throat> too, that we are very different people. Mm-hmm. It, I, we always used to laugh and say if it was just up to Bill, he would be raising a bunch of Marines if it was just up to me, they'd be a bunch of marshmallows. You know, I, I don't know got, because you could spank pretty hard back in the day. Well, but when someone got cut, I'm still I, limping. I'm still limping. When, when someone would get cut, it was for me. It was oh no, come here. And with Bill, it was don't bleed on the rug. <laughs> no. I, one of the huge. But, but I, I said what I said because that's I think that a feminine approach to parenting is an, is has gripped our culture. Yes. Not just the church, but the church in and, in and outside the church. This would be totally foreign to our forefathers. Yes. Totally foreign to everybody before my generation, and but really throughout world history. And it's not helpful to our children. Yeah. So children really, you can boil parenting down to really simply, they need lots of discipline, 
They need lots of love. You can never have one or the other. You got to have them both for it to work. Affection. Affection and discipline and affirmation and forgiveness. And uh, they also need Bible teaching from their parents. And lastly, they need an example from their parents. Their parents have to model all this for their children. So in other words, I think the most powerful shape on it, what shapes children most, having watched this now for 40 years, is seeing the, there's an ethos in the home caused by mom and dad's relationship with each other and with the Lord. And by that I mean, do mom and dad love each other? Do they seem to enjoy each other? Do they, uh, are, is there a unity in their approach to parenting? Uh, is, is dad loving his wife as mom's submitting to her husband's authority and trying to encourage it? In other, in other words, is home basically a happy place or is it an unhappy place? You can have lots of discipline and have it a happy place. If it's a happy place, your children are going to grow up and they're going to connect the gospel with that happiness and they're going to want it. If it's yeah. an unhappy place, some of them will still become Christians, but they're going to grow up and some of them are going to say, uh-uh. I don't want the life, I don't want the what Christianity produces. And I think, so, you know, parents are always looking for a, a um, technique. Do this. If I do a Bible study every night, my kids are going to be, if I send them to a Christian school, they're going to become Christians. If I spank them regularly, they're going to become Christians. Well, all those things have a place. But I think the most important thing is, do kids grow up in an environment of gospel joy? Mm. Yeah. And Amen. so that they connect Christianity and the gospel with the good life. <coughs> Excuse me. That doesn't have anything to do with money or anything like that. It's, it's, in other words, is the gospel producing in your family a way of life that's really attractive to your children or the opposite? Yeah. And I, I would add to the that idea of example <clears throat> that your kids are always watching you. And I think mm -hmm. for two things. First of all, they're looking to see how mom how uh, mom honors dad, mm -hmm. and if they learn that, I think I think mom is a visual aid for um, raise up your children in the way they should go. No, not that's the wrong. When they get old, they will not edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Got the scripture. Uh, Ephesians five. No, um, I can't remember. <coughs> anyway, I I think what one of the main things that kids are looking for as they watch you, they want to know who your God is, mm -hmm. and what really are, is. what are they seeing? Who your real God is? Yeah, what are they seeing? Do mm -hmm. they see you um, finding your fulfillment in God? Do they see you? running to him for forgiveness and receiving it? Do they, uh, you know, it's, it's like the man in, in Scripture that finds the treasure in the field and, yeah. and sells everything to buy it. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's you, your kids are standing there and they're watching that. And if they see you selling out for Christ, they're going to say, he must be an amazing God. I, I want to know him. Yeah, yeah. So example is so huge. Mm-hmm. It's who you are that's the most important thing in your parenting, I think. Yeah. And that'll show up in your discipline, your affection, and your relationship with your spouse. But, you you know, if your husband and wife hate each other and don't like each other, eh, 
that's going to really impact the kids. When I was a youth pastor, uh, I asked that question. Like, there were kids that were very enjoyable to be around. And I'm like, well, what's, why is that? And it came down to their home life, not that they had everything they wanted, mm-hmm. not that mom and dad coddled them, but mm-hmm. mom and dad loved each other, and they created an environment in their home that mm-hmm. honored the Lord. Mm-hmm. And it was just so interesting to me. I was like, that was the common denominator yeah. every time. Yeah. For like, sure. And it created an ease. Like the kids were enjoyable to be around because yes. yeah. they just, yeah. they were sure yeah. of themselves. Yeah, mom and dad can fight and they can have disagreements, but do they, are they be able to forgive each other and mm-hmm. make up? And do the kids see that, that they can, mom and dad can disagree, they can have conflict, but they can come out of it still loving each other. And Do they see the parents humbling each other, humbling, humbling themselves? And, yeah, right. And the scripture I was trying to think of a minute ago was honor your father and mother so it will go well with you in the land. Mm-hmm. Well, for moms, and I always bring this out when we do a parenting conference, your kids are looking at you to see how you honor their father. You're kind of the visual aid for honoring. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you want things to go well with your kids <clears throat> in the land, you'll teach them what respect and honor looks like. Mm-hmm. Not that they're your kids are beaten down and afraid to say anything. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's not what we're after. We're after kids that can engage actively with adults, ask questions respectfully. Mm-hmm. I, I think we tried to always encourage our kids, you can say whatever you want to us, but think of a way to say it respectfully. Yeah. You want to teach them to engage. And and we're getting into older kids. We need to get yeah. back to little yeah, kids. Yeah, so that, that's all a, a fantastic foundation for parenting in general, older and younger kids. Yeah. <clears throat> but let's talk about the younger years. And what, what were some of the biggest challenges that you faced mm. uh, when the kids were age one to okay. five, six, well, seven? I'll tell you what, really simply, we, we ran across a little pamphlet called Children Funder Frenzy. This was huge in our life. And... It's like 20 pages, and the author just said, you know, you need to teach your kids to obey on the first command because God expects us to obey on the first command. And this was, you know, what's a normal parent um, a temptation? Johnny, uh, would you drink your milk? Johnny, I said drink your milk. Johnny, do I have to tell you the third time to drink your milk? Don't Johnny, make me count if I to have three. to say it one more yeah. time, I'm going to discipline you, Okay. So what you're teaching your children when you do that is that God, you, they can ignore you. They can ignore God. God doesn't care. So not drinking your milk is a bad example. Um, well, whatever think, it is you're asking them to do or not do, you say, say it once. If they don't respond, you immediately discipline them. The point is you're always training them. You're always you training them. You can either them. train them to obey on the first command or, or you can command. train them to obey on the fifth command. And that was the main point of that pamphlet. Or when you scream and yell at them, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, you know, and, and the title says it all. If you if you yeah. if you discipline after the first infraction, then the kids are fun to be around. They are. Yeah. Um, so last night, <laughs> we're we're sitting on our back porch having dinner, um, and there was a neighbor kid um, who was screaming, probably for twenty minutes straight mm. in his backyard. And I thought to myself... How old, Dave? Probably six or seven. Okay. And I thought to myself, those poor parents, like they're, they're clueless. This kid is frenzy right now, yeah. totally out of control. Yeah. And Heidi said to me, they were, they were punishing him for something by basically, I don't know, but they were ignoring him or whatever. 
Heidi said it'd be so much better if they just spanked him, got it over with quickly, yeah, and then gave him a hug, yeah, and gave him lots of yeah. affection. But instead, forgive him. It was twenty minutes of this kid just <clears throat> frenzying, just screaming, yelling, throwing a fit. Yeah, there's tremendous resistance to spanking. We've seen this as uh, we've done our parenting conferences. I think we've done over thirty now, and mm-hmm. parents are they're pushing back against spanking. But it's so biblical, and so as a result, we wrote a pamphlet to go with gospel-powered parenting mm-hmm. on, on discipline. discipline. And so, so why why do you think that parents now are pushing back on spanking? What, what are some of the things you've heard? We are in a feminized culture, and the we don't want to, we don't want to hurt children, yeah. and that I that makes women sound bad. I don't mean it that way, but but the female temperament is to nurture. I just wrote a book on this. Uh, I've done a whole bunch of studies on it. It's really interesting. It's I'm the, that's not just a generalization. That is biologically true. Females' first first approach to life is to nurture. The male's first approach is to challenge a child, and uh, to challenge a child, not to nurture them. The old there's an old saying: "Mothers line the nest, dads kick the children out of the nest." That's another way to say it, and. We're in a feminine culture. We've been conquered by the feminist movement, and I think that has a lot to do with our approach to parenting. Males, patriarchy, are not ruling in families, and a male approach to parenting is denigrated by our whole culture, despised by our culture, uh, and which means we are a really weak culture. That would be my take on it. What would your take Yeah, on, I Judy? think feminism has definitely had an <clears throat> impact. And also the uh, therapy movement. Yeah. I I think what's really important with um, discipline and disobedience, obedience, is you have to, from an early age, a child has got to be taught. They've got to be able to associate disobedience, sin, with pain. Yeah. Because pain always is the result of sin, eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. And how much better for them to make that connection through a loving parent At a young that age. can that can discipline and then reconcile and make sure the kid knows that they love them, that they're eventually going to learn that lesson. It can either be through a loving parent, through a policeman, through jail bars. A divorce. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so you're really loving your child if if you are able to get them to understand Obedience brings pain, and obedience brings happiness. I mean, obedience brings happiness. Disobedience, disobedience brings, pain. brings pain. So that's got to be learned early. And I, you know, I, I, kids need mom and dad because yeah. they need the feminine nurturing, yeah. nurturing side, and they need what the male influence mm-hmm. brings into the equation. But I think we've been so males have been so denigrated by the feminist movement that. Dads are afraid to yeah. to bring a very important component to yeah. the equation. Christian families are patriarchies. Yeah. Now, it's a nasty word today, I know. I understand anybody listen to this. Have you been But but all all that means though is father rule. That's right. Yeah. And and father rule is pretty much from Genesis chapter mm-hmm. two on. And and, and in the Bible, uh, patriarchy, father rule is a good thing. Yeah. Now obviously, um, that can be abused like yeah. anything. Yes. And, and our culture yeah. views 
patriarchy as this as this toxic masculinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's defined well and defined carefully, patriarchy rule by dad is a really good thing. Yeah. And especially yeah. God's design is perfect because you have both a mother and a father. Yes. And they temper each other and kids need both. They, they need do. the firm hand of yeah. a father and, and the nurture of a mother yes. and that's God's plan to and have both ag- influences. We acknowledge that child abuse is a horrible thing rampant in yeah. our culture. Right. And that's not what we're after. That's why it's really important that you spank in a biblical but I, way. But ironically, in the studies bear this out, I've, I've got all the detail at home, but almost it's a tiny, tiny fraction of child abuse is perpetrated by biological fathers. Mm-hmm. It's almost all done by live-in boyfriends or stepfathers, mm-hmm. almost never by biological fathers. So it's the breakdown of the family that's perpetrating uh, child abuse, it's rebuilding the family that will end child abuse. So we've, so for example, there's almost no child abuse when we grew up in the 50s and 60s. Why is that? Because no fault divorce didn't come until 1968. And prior, all my friends were Christian and non-Christian, came from two-parent homes. I remember when I was huge. in junior high, I had a friend, his name was Ross, and his parents were divorced. My parents didn't want me playing with him because he had divorced parents. That's, wow. that's, that's how much sad. of a wow. stig- that's how much of a stigma <laughs> pretty, there was yeah, on pretty, divorce in those days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this uh, sounds so bizarre to us today. Yeah. But as a result, there was almost no child abuse because there was yeah. all, there was five percent of or less than five percent of children in 1962 were born to unwed mothers. That was with no birth control. There was no birth control pill. There were there were just condoms, you know. So just think about that for a second. So it's close to 45% today, between 40 and 45%. So, and today, so think how much higher it would be today if we didn't have the birth control pill. So just think about that for a second and the impact on the family. It's the collapse of the family that's behind all the child abuse and all the rest of the so stuff. So sad. So I, I've heard so many bizarre arguments recently in the last decade opposed to spanking. Yeah. But there's at least 8 to 12 proverbs that are so clear Yes, that spanking is good and right and wise and biblical. So, so talk us through a spanking event. Okay. By, by the way, which one of your kids got spanked the most? Well, you're the one talking to us right now. <laughs> I mean, and not to brag a, or anything, but I get the award, right? Yeah, Look how it turned out. Look how it turned out. I have to yeah. tell this story. One night in, in uh, family Bible time, Bill was trying to get to the heart of substitutionary, uh, penal substitution. So he taught the kids about it and... Annie, our angel child that barely ever got spanked. I'm not. Did she ever get spanked? Yeah, a couple times. Anyway, the next day, Dave, of course, was ready for his morning spanking, and <laughs> Annie said, "Dad, I want to take Dave's spanking for him." Like Jesus, oh, like Jesus took his my spanking that I did. And Dad right. said, "Nope, nope." And I said, "No." Theology does not apply in this context. <laughs> and of course, Dave said, "Yeah, that's what I'm talking about." Yeah. So anyway, okay, so. Do you want me to explain it? Yeah, well, I would just say this. All discipline needs to be done in the context of the gospel. Grace, grace, grace. grace yeah. Go ahead. So We had a spanking stick on the main floor and yeah. a spanking stick on the second floor on a hook. And when the kids would misbehave, I would say, go get the spanking stick. And they would, in fear and trembling, quaking. Do you remember the head to oh, toe? Yeah. Go, go it was it was a long black blue. wooden. It was blue. It was, blue. Yeah. Wow. It was probably <laughs> 18 inches long and, yeah. and an inch wide and maybe yeah. a centimeter uh-huh. thick. Yeah. 
So they they come back with the with the spanking stick, and again that never we never hurt them. We no. caused pain. What, what, what? sting? What? <laughs> <laughs> we need to fact check her on this one. Yeah. I, uh, no, if Dave I is limping Dave, in the pulpit this week, you'll know. <laughs> I heard Dave say he got the belt. I don't. Every member dad using the belt. Oh on my you. goodness! No. Multiple no. times. No, no, no way. I yes, <laughs> yes. No, I swear. I you dreamt I that. I swear thing. on a stack of Bibles. <laughs> Give me a Bible. Anyway, so they'd come with a spanking stick and they'd get spanked on the bottom, and then they would have to confess their sin and ask for forgiveness, and then they got hugged and loved on. And, and we talked to them about the gospel. Talk to them about. We'd say, no, kids, this is, we're spanking you because we love you and because Jesus commands us to spank, to discipline our children. And you need to understand that for this sin, you go to hell forever. But because Jesus died on the cross and took the ultimate discipline that you deserve, you won't go there. So let's ask Jesus' forgiveness for your sin, and he, you'll be forgiven and you know, the kids would do that, and we'd hug and make up, and they'd skip out of the room happy. I mean, the spanking thing is just a wonderful way. There's no pouting afterwards. There's no, it's done, it's over, it's quick, it's it's painful, so they it, it, it definitely is a disincentive to further disobedience. And the, I think if you start when they're, as soon as they know, can understand a command and disobey, yeah. and that's usually as a toddler, I think one of the best early forms of teaching kids the idea of pain with disobedience is have your toddler be on the other side of the room and tell them to come to you, and usually they'll turn around and look at you and walk the other way. You just And if they do, they need to be disciplined, yeah. and then you do it again. Then put them back and say, let's try it over again. Till they're, call them again. Till they come when you call them. And then you give them a big hug, and you reward them, and you lavish them with praise. See, you don't just need the discipline. You need praise and affection. Yeah. It all has to be, if it's done in an atmosphere of affection and love, so your kids know you're loving them, it'll be, be very, very, have very positive fruit. Yeah. So, so how do parents know if they're spanking enough? It works uh, different with every child. You know, some children hardly need any spankings. Judy never hardly got spanked when she was growing up. I got spanked. Oh, my goodness. I don't remember how many times, but it was pretty regular. And there are the strong-willed kids, like mm. like someone said, the ones that come out of the womb smoking cigars and giving orders. <laughs> but uh, And those kids are challenging. But I, I remember uh, telling, I think, J.J., um, Anya, who raised her wonderful son, Logan, Logan who's mm. now just a wonderful, godly young man. But he was pretty challenging. But um, she... He was really hard. Yeah. And I, I told her, JJ, you have to hang in there. You cannot give up. You need to communicate to Logan that you're going to win the war. Hmm. He's not going to win. You're going to win. No matter how long it takes. Yeah. Because if they sense you're giving up, you've lost it. Yeah. So you just you have to hang in there. And, and you know, Dave, I, I have a distinct memory. I always bring this up in my um, breakout sessions at our conferences. You were probably about four, and I had spanked you so many times already that day, and I just thought, I am sick of this. I am, I'm going to throw in the towel. <laughs> and I saw, this was a total Holy Spirit moment. It wasn't an actual vision, but it was like I imagined you as a young adult dead on the highway because you, had, you were speeding. You didn't <sighs> have a seatbelt on. 
and you you were drunk. And I thought the pain, worst case scenario. The pain from that situation is so much greater than this momentary sting of a spanking. Mm. And and that stuck with me. And I determined yeah, I'm she, I'm gonna win this battle. Judy was mm. Judy was really good. She was she was very persistent. And she was a um, not very big. When this kid got older, it became a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to discipline. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we, we we pretty much were done with spanking by age 10. Yeah. Although, I, well, I spanking. <laughs> well, I've never done. <laughs> Dave, never. How, how old were you when you slammed a hole in the wall with your fist? Well, that was, my, that was my foot. That. But I, I, I remember when I was supposed to be watching my brother Joe, five years my junior, and, and I went out and, and hung out with uh, Sabrina Meyer. Yeah. Doing a little Jewish evangelism. Yeah, right. Jews for Jesus. <laughs> Missionary dating. Yeah. And I, I came back, um, and you guys beat me home, and Joe was there by himself. How old was Joe? I I must have been 12, so he must have been seven. Seven. Five. 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 Six or seven. Six yeah. or seven. Wow. And I remember standing in the hallway upstairs on twenty the 26th Avenue house holding on the railing for dear life as dad beat my bottom like five, <laughs> oh. six, seven times. Oh, no, I didn't. Hit so yes, times. you did. Oh, no. we I mean, so, I totally deserved it. Well, the irony of that story that is I think you had had just gotten off being grounded. Yeah, I was pretty much grounded all of junior high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, but now look, the, the parents the, listen to this. Now this is supposed to be let, young, let me, younger this, kids. Any parents listen to this? See what happened with the discipline paid off. Dave's now a responsible guy. He's a pastor of a church. He's disciplining his own children, and his children are growing up, and that'll be pass, passed on to Dave's kids who will grow up and discipline their children and love them. It's a multi generational thing. A spanking thing. of a legacy of spanking. Last night as we're sitting there hearing this kid next door screaming, I said to my boys, boys, you better spank my grandkids. Yeah. And they all said, we will. Don't worry, we will. Oh, you have very nice boys. We love our grandsons. Yeah. So so roughly age 8, 9, 10 is when you guys stopped disciplining. Yeah, pretty much. It depends, pretty much. I mean, if you if you start young, they're pretty well trained by the time they get between. Yeah. You think, Brian, you've got young uh, Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, for us, I mean, like, once, like six, seven, it was like we mm -hmm. didn't need to spank no. hardly ever. You've got we, all girls, right? No, two girls, two, two, two boys. boys. Oh, two boys. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's been really interesting because, like, you know, one of the girls needed a little more than the other, and one of the boys yeah. needed a little They're more than different. the other. They're all different, but yeah. we, you know, try to be consistent young. And for us, the experience has been positive in that by the time they're, yeah, seven, eight years old, the need to, to spank them radically diminished yeah that's pretty yeah. normal yeah um, so just a few minutes left um let's let's talk about family worship when the kids are young so what what did you guys do for family well, worship i think it, i first family worship depends on a, a time when the family is normally together on a consistent basis so you need to have a meal whereas a family you meet regularly and this will be a battle especially as your kids get older there's a whole bunch of studies showing, whether Christian or non-Christian family, that the families that eat meals together regularly have fewer teen pregnancies, fewer cases of alcohol abuse, drug abuse, all that stuff. It's contact with the parents. So if you have a regular meal together, then at the end of the meal, pull out your Bibles before you before you clear the table, before anybody gets moved on, to, and just take 
five or ten minutes. It doesn't need to be long. But what you're doing is you're you're saying to your children, uh, the God is the center of this family. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It's very very important, and our our family is going to revolve around God and His Word. That's what you're saying. I've asked Dave, you and your siblings. What do you remember about our family devotions? Anything specific? No, I don't remember anything specific. Yeah, you remember you remember that we did them, but you don't remember any specific teaching from them. So it's not the specific teaching, although that gets they get that over time. It's the example. God is the center of this home, and if, again, if that's in a context of love and affection and joy, it it bears great fruit. It's it was so challenging because I mean. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people were fighting and hitting each other and during the and, during the family devotions. Yeah, yeah. having to break up fights. I remember one night Bill <laughs> just slammed his fist on the table. We will have family worship time. Yeah, well, that and was I, in junior high and high school. Yeah, because I think I, I said, "Oh, sweetie, just curse God and die. This is too <laughs> too painful." <laughs> but he hung in there. You have to be and, committed. Yeah. yeah, I'm very thankful. And you I, know what's interesting? Now, we've never said one thing to our kids about having family devotions. That all of our kids mm. practice family devotions regularly. Yeah. Mm. And we use the Catherine Voss Bible. The Catherine yeah. Voss yeah. Bible. That you guys used with us. Sarah has the original. That's still my go-to. I mean, yeah. we probably have 10 Bibles for kids. I, that That is my favorite. Yeah, because it it really covers all the stories. Yeah, it's not very edited, so she she gives all the details, yeah. but does it in a very accessible way. Yes. And each chapter is like five yeah. minutes. Yeah, we, so, we tried to make it fun too. I mean, we'd play Bible Bowl sometimes. Have contests. We'd have contests. Ask questions yeah. from the Bible and divide the t- family into teams. So and also, I don't know if you remember this day, but we would occasionally break from the Bible and read a book together as a mm-hmm. family, like. Some of the monkeys, uh, the yearling, the yearling, Chronicles of Narnia, Chronicles Lord of, of the Narnia, Rings, Lord of the Rings, applied biblical yeah. themes yeah. to those books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah we, we read some biographies together too. I think as a family. Yeah, where the red fern grows. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's wrap this up, and we'll come back later for some more conversation about parenting. Uh, thanks so much for all your sage advice. And thanks for listening to Flock Talk, a ministry of GCF North. GCF North exists to glorify God through gospel-centered worship, evangelism, discipleship, and community. To learn more, go to our website, gcfnorthspokane.org. 